Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Do you live your life with genuine heartfelt love for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you love them even as you do your own family? When someone wrongs you, do you quickly forgive them and look for restoration in their relationship? Let's open now to Philemon verse 8 and see what the Lord has for us. Well, good morning and welcome to another podcast. It's, uh, what is it? It's uh, 1022 AM here in Texas. Hope everyone's doing well. We are going to hopefully finish the book of Philemon today. It's uh, last time we got through verse 7 and today we're going to try to do verses 8 through 25. So we're just going to pray. We're going to invite the Lord into our time and then we'll go ahead and start reading it and get right into it. Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for your favor and grace. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the scriptures. Lord Jesus, we just love you and bless you and thank you. We thank you for the living word of God. Father, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Starting in verse 8. Therefore, Although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, verse 8. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. Um, interesting concept here. Paul 
as an apostle of Jesus Christ, knows the right thing to do. Onesimus was a, a runaway slave and who had belonged to Philemon, and he found his way to the Apostle Paul by the providence of God and by the sovereignty of God, um, who was in prison, and Paul led him to faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul says in verse 10, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. That's verse 10. And so when Onesimus came to Paul, the first thing Paul does is he leads him to Jesus Christ. And there's an extremely powerful principle there. And we'll get there. But he expects Philemon, as, as we just read, to receive Onesimus back, but, but no longer as a slave. He says, verse 16, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. When, when someone becomes a Christian, they become a part of the body of Christ. When you ask Jesus to come into your heart, to be the Lord of your life, to save you from your sin, putting your full trust and confidence in Jesus alone for your salvation and the forgiveness of your sins, the Spirit of Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and you become one with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And at this point, you are now brought into what's called the body of Christ. You are now, you are now grafted in to the body of Christ. And you're not only one with Jesus, not only one with the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, but you're one with all other genuine Christians. You are actually one in spirit as part of this body of Christ with all other Christian believers. And so hence the language of as a dear brother in the Lord. Because now Philemon, who is, as we saw in the first seven verses, an incredible godly man, a powerful minister who is really spoken well by everyone for the love he has for, for Christ and for his people. So now Onesimus is a brother to Philemon, uh, where before he would have been an unbeliever and just a slave. Now he's a brother in Christ, and Paul expects Philemon to receive him back in total forgiveness. And he expects, uh, he expects Philemon to restore Onesimus to even a better position in the family. And so again, we're going to see a tremendous theme of forgiveness and restoration in here, and we'll, we'll talk about that as well. So in verse 8, where he says, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, Verse 9, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. As believers in Jesus Christ, we can boldly exhort one another to do, to order really one another to do what we ought to do based on the word of God, right? But it's better, verse 9, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. Sometimes Paul is, is, is pretty, pretty forceful. Right? And sometimes there is a place where we need to strongly exhort one another to obey the word of God. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, we ought to obey the word of God. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we ought to exhort one another to obey the word of God. And Paul would have no problem with someone ordering him to obey the word of God. We have to watch ourselves as leaders or as ministers because... You know, oftentimes, Johnny Mayfield, we like, uh, 
we like giving the orders, right? We like being the ones ordering people to do what they ought to do. But, you know, sometimes we need to, you know, we need to be exhorted uh, to obey the word of God in areas of our life that we're out of place, you know, and we need to, we need to be willing to have our brothers and sisters in Christ exhort us um, to do what we ought to do. Now, this is clear. The only way you can order or exhort someone to do anything is based on the scriptures. Okay. Now we're talking about adults here. If you're a parent and you have a child, obviously um, they're your responsibility. But even then, you want to exhort them to do what's right based on the scriptures. But we don't have to do it in a hard way. We don't have to just order people. We ought to first do what Paul says in verse 9, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. So when we go to our brothers and sisters in Christ or with our children and we, we see areas of their lives that are not in line with the word of God, we want to appeal on the basis of love. Or when we want to ask someone to do something, even though we may know it's the right thing and you know they're not certain, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. So when, when you want something done for you, do you appeal on the basis of love or are you just consistently, you know, harsh and overbearing? Father, I do ask you to help us in our exhortations to one another to, to appeal to one another on the basis of love. Help us, Lord Jesus, just to have, have, have love-based appeals. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Now, if... If love-based appeals don't work over and over and over and over, well, sometimes we, we obviously do need to be then a little more firm in, uh, in our exhortations to, uh, to doing what's right. So, thank you, Lord. Verse 9, I then, as Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And we talked about that last time. He's, uh, he's in prison for... For declaring Christ, for promoting Jesus Christ as the only way. We face very little persecution here in the, uh, the Western church. We live in a time in history where we are allowed to proclaim Jesus as the, as the way, the truth, and the life. And um, Now, if you are doing that regularly, you will, you will face persecution. You remember when Paul said to Timothy, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But Paul's actually in a physical prison here. And we talked last time about Paul's incredible love and thoughtfulness, you know, for the church and for the call of God on his life and here for Onesimus because we talked about how most of us when we're in prison, whether it be a metaphorical prison, a financial prison, right, whether it's an emotional prison, you know, it's, it's very hard for us to take our minds off the prison, right? Whatever the difficulty is in our life, where Paul, this guy writes half the New Testament and a good portion of that he writes out of prison. So it's just this incredible, uh, incredible principle. He says in verse 10, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. We already said that Onesimus found his way to Paul when, by the providence of God, when he had run away from Philemon. And the first thing Paul does is lead him to faith in Christ. Um, when someone comes to you in desperation, when someone comes to you hurting, okay, the truth of what they need more than you 
is they need Jesus, okay? Now, yes, if someone comes to you and they're hungry, you know, you want to feed them. You want to help them out. You want to be a blessing. But ultimately, in whatever physical blessings you give, you want to bring it back to Jesus, okay? Onesimus now leaves with the most valuable thing in the world. His soul now has been redeemed by Jesus Christ because that was Paul's concern. If, if you were going to come to the Apostle Paul, the first thing he was going to do, the last thing he was going to do, the middle thing he was going to do is he was going to talk to you about Jesus. He was going to want to know that you know Jesus Christ and that you've received Jesus Christ. And then after that, he was going to exhort you to live for Jesus Christ all the days of your life. That's the kind of heart we want to have in us, right? When we're serving people, when we're helping people, when we're giving to people, we want to remember there's nothing better we can give them than Jesus, than encouraging them than Jesus. If they're not Christians, then leading them to the gospel, to faith in Jesus Christ, to sharing that with them the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus lived a perfect life for them and died a perfect death for them and that Jesus is alive and risen. And if you'll call on Jesus today and ask him to be the Lord of your life and save you from your sin, Jesus will come and live in your heart and he will save you from your sin and he will be the Lord of your life and you will go to heaven when you die. And if the person is a Christian, just encouraging them to walk with Jesus, to spend time in the word of God, to, to invite Jesus in in prayer. So Certainly when people come to us, we want to help them in any way we can, in any way that's appropriate. But we always want to remember the greatest help we can give them is to point them to Jesus Christ over and over and over again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 11 is, is just an overwhelming verse. It's one of those verses in the scriptures that just that kind of takes you back when you, when you really consider it. Listen to this verse. Verse 11. Formerly... He was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Why would Paul say that formerly Onesimus was useless? Onesimus was a slave in Philemon's house before he ran away, and so he would have had tremendous use in many areas, right? He would have been useful in in in, in a myriad of things, in countless things, right? Um, in all the different work aspects that a slave working in someone's home would do. But Paul said formerly he was useless to you. So what does he mean? For Paul, the only thing that ultimately matters is eternal things. Onesimus obviously had um, all kinds of natural usefulness, right? He could mow the yard, he could do the dishes, he could, he could do countless things, right? In the physical world or the natural world or the material world, he could do immense things in that area, right? But Paul said formerly he was useless to you because for Paul, unless you have an eternal purpose, unless you're in Christ Jesus, there's really no eternal value to your life. Think about that. Unless, number one, you're in Jesus Christ and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then you're trying to live your life in a way that advances the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of Jesus Christ, if that's not where you are, Paul says, formerly he was useless to you. Formerly he was useless to you. But now he has become useful both to you and to me. Onesimus got saved. 
He received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And now Paul says he has usefulness everywhere. In Romans 8, the Bible says that if you haven't received Jesus into your heart, then you cannot please God. Think about that. It's only in Jesus Christ that we can even be pleasing to God. And I know that sounds hard to some people, but it's only in Jesus Christ that we can truly know and understand by God's grace and mercy, you know, what it means to do things from a proper heart. Outside of Jesus, we're just left to our natural inclinations. And unfortunately, the Bible says that human beings at their core are not good, but they're sinful and selfish. And so this incredible statement is that, that only eternal things matter in the kingdom of God. What are you doing today that is going to last for eternity? What are you storing up for eternity? Okay. What are you doing in the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the advancement of the kingdom of God? How are you helping to advance the cause of the gospel today? Uh, for many of us, you know, we do nice things for our family. We provide for our children. We, we buy nice things for our, our wives. But, but we do very little when it comes to the advancement of the kingdom of God. Sometimes we just leave that to those uh, professional ministers. And as I said the last time, the Bible says that all Christians are called to be ministers, Scott. All of us should be doing the work of the gospel. Father, we, uh, we do ask you to help us to be, to be men and women of God who are useful in our day-to-day -day walk in advancing the kingdom of God. Father, we just thank you for your mercy on our lives. We thank you that, that we have Jesus living in us. We ask you to help us to be a church that's, uh, that's useful because we have a heart to do things with a kingdom mindset, with a kingdom of God mindset. Father, we ask you to give us this mindset and help us to live our days, um, not advancing an earthly kingdom or a worldly kingdom, but advancing the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Father. Verse 12. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. One of the major themes of this letter is, is selfless love. Just genuine, true agape love. Agape love is a, is a love that's unconditional. It's not, it's not because of, it's in spite of. But look what Paul says here. Look at the depth of this verse. Verse 12. I am sending him, Onesimus, who is my very heart, back to you. Is this the way you view your brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, most, of, most Christians would say, you know, who could you say that about? Who could you say they're your very heart? Well, for the vast majority of us, it would be as parents, right, that, that we could say of our natural children that they are my very heart, you know. A lot of mothers out there, Matthew, right, your mom could say, you know, I am sending him who is my very heart because surely to Leanne, Matthew, Johnny, and Stephanie are her very heart, right? Scott couldn't really say that, but I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. Philemon is a spiritual son. And again, the vast majority of us only have these heart for natural relations, right? Natural family members, parents, 
brothers, sisters, grandparents, grandchildren. But Paul has this heart for his spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ, and so ought we. You ought to be so close in your relationships with your brother and sister in Christ that they are your very heart. Do you have people in your life that you minister to, that you love them so much that the love of God overflows in your heart so much for certain brothers and sisters in Christ that you could say they are your very heart? I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. It's just a degree of Christ-like love that's, that's overwhelming. And Father, we, we certainly need help with this. Um, Father, most of us can recognize this kind of love for our, our natural children, our natural parents, grandparents, grandchildren, Father. But, but I pray you would help us to, to begin to grow to have this, this heartfelt love, Lord. Um, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name. Verse 13 and 14. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel, but I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Again, Paul says he could have ordered him to do this, but he's appealing to him humbly, right? Paul is a leader to Philemon. He is a spiritual father to Philemon. Based on this incredible verse, you know, he says in verse 19, it's probable that Paul led Philemon to Christ as well. Um, but nonetheless, you see this humility. And so again, as leaders, when we're dealing with, um, with people that are underneath us, Philemon is clearly underneath Paul in spiritual authority. Paul would be over him in spiritual authority. But, you know, he's still, you know, he's still appealing to him, right? He's not commanding him, um, although he says he could, right? Um, and he's asking him to do a favor. So when we're talking to people, when I'm asking the guys in my ministry, you know, they're, they're amazing. They'll, they'll generally jump to do anything that I, I ask them to do. And, um, and it's, it's wonderful, Right, and I appreciate that, but we still want to ask and do so humbly. So we don't want to get a, you know, just this, just overbearing, domineering, do what I tell you type of attitude. And we we want to repent where we see that in our lives. Paul says he'd like to have kept Onesimus because he's in prison, and it says that Onesimus was helping him. Right, he was serving him. He was helping Paul. And however the prison system worked, Onesimus had access to Paul, and he was, he was able to help Paul to, to get things done, to get messages out. And again, it's just this other amazing principle. You know, um, I was talking to spiritual father of mine, Dave Anderson, and uh, I'd said to him, it's kind of amazing that Paul just didn't keep him. Why didn't Paul just say, Onesimus is going to stay with me, and I'll tell Philemon he's with me. But again, you just see this humility. Paul wants to do what's right. And what's right is to uh, send Onesimus back, allow forgiveness and restoration. And then we're not told what happens after this. Perhaps Philemon immediately sends Onesimus back to Paul. We're not told. I think that's the probability of what happened. Um, we see the incredible character of Philemon here, um, as we discussed in the, in the first teaching, in verses 1 to 7. And again, in the end of verse 13, he says that he is in chains for the gospel. 
whatever chains we're in today, are you in chains for the gospel? The, the, the metaphorical chains, the, whatever the difficulties we have for the vast majority of us is not chains for the gospel. Again, we can be in chains for a lot of different things, but, but Paul is in chains for the gospel. If you will continue to do the work of the gospel of Christ, then you will undoubtedly face some difficulty. If you've never faced any difficulty for the gospel, it's almost certain that you have not, uh, and I have not, you know, really given ourselves to it and focused on it and worked at it as, as we should. And I know that's a hard word, but that is what the scriptures teach. Again, Paul says he doesn't want to do anything in verse 14 without Philemon's consent so that Philemon can choose to be a blessing. And again, that's how we want to be with people, so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. So again, the implication is I'd like to have this guy Onesimus, and if you're willing to bless me, that's fine. If not, that's fine. And that's the kind of heart we want to have with our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, Stephen. And he's even willing to say, perhaps, maybe, maybe he doesn't need to be with me. Verse 15, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. So maybe it is God's will that you keep him. But listen to verse 16, no longer as a slave. Okay, so Paul sees the providence of God in this, right? No longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me. Again, you see Paul's heart, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So 15 and 16, maybe it is the providence of God that you should keep him and he should stay in your household, but not as a slave anymore. Sometimes we, uh, we look at someone becoming a Christian and we look at it as a very common thing where nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible says, Matthew, that when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, to be the Lord of your life, to save you from your sin, and you mean it, you go from spiritual death to spiritual life. The spirit of Jesus Christ comes and lives in your spirit, joins himself to your spirit, the Holy Spirit, and he gives you life, right? There's this incredible change in you. Your life has been overwhelmingly changed. The actual reality of this is when you receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior, and you're genuine in that, the change that happens to you at that moment is greater than the change that will happen to you when you leave this life and go to heaven. Think about that. And so sometimes we can, we can just treat someone's salvation as commonplace. When someone comes to Jesus Christ, the Bible says that heaven rejoices when one sinner bows the knee to Jesus, confesses their sinfulness, and asks Jesus to come into their heart. Heaven rejoices. So we, we really want to see the value. Paul tells Philemon that Onesimus is now this incredible, incredible value to you as a man in Christ and as a brother in the Lord in Christ. He told Philemon that before you had him, he was useless. So again, Look at what the Bible is teaching here. If you're not in Jesus Christ, Paul said you're useless. And again, I know that seems harsh, but that is what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach that, that Jesus Christ is everything. Jesus is the beginning. He's the end. He's the first and the last. Your life begins with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. All that matters is Jesus. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. 
With me, everything is possible. It's very powerful, right? With me, Jesus said, everything is possible. Without me, you can do nothing. Uh, Romans 8 says, the man that doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, cannot be pleasing to God. Wow. Um, so again, we want to get this view. Philemon, useless. Now that he's become a Christian, everything has changed and he's useful to everybody, to everything. Wow. Verse 17. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. 18. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. So Paul has appealed to Philemon, right? He's He's told him he could order him, but he wants to appeal to him on the basis of love. But you can see that this is so important to Paul. This must be a bigger deal than we realize. In those days, um, a runaway slave could be killed, right? Uh, the master could do anything he wanted to him. So uh, Onesimus is in an extremely tenuous position. And although Philemon's an incredibly good man, Paul does not want to leave any doubt as to as to what he expects to happen so it's kind of you know it's not funny but it's just kind of an awkward transition because he tells him um i don't want to do anything without your consent i want you to make the choice but now paul's going to lean in so if you consider me a partner welcome him as you would welcome me well what choice does philemon really have now right of course i'm a partner of the of the apostle paul verse 18 if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything charge it to me. That's pretty heavy, right? So you can see here, verse 19, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. And then listen to this, not to mention that you owe me your very self. You can see a huge theme here of forgiveness and restoration, right? These verses show that Paul is expecting absolutely that Philemon will receive Onesimus back with complete forgiveness. And he expects Philemon to restore Onesimus to a better position in the family. Not a slave anymore, but a dear brother. Welcome him as you would welcome me. Think about that. Here comes Onesimus back. He's having to go back in courage. Paul orders him to go back to Philemon. And Paul tells Philemon, you need to welcome this man Onesimus, who is my very heart, as you would welcome me. If he's done anything to you or owes you anything, just put it to me. Let it be as if I did it, Paul said. We need to have a heart of forgiveness and restoration. There is literally no principle more important in our Christian walk than forgiveness. And the reason is we have truly been forgiven an unfathomable debt in Christ. Our sin and the weight of our sin is so big, it's, it's unimaginable. We were all doomed sinners headed to hell, save the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so we have been forgiven an overwhelming debt that we could never pay back of our sin when we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and the Lord expects us 
clearly to live our lives forgiving one another whatever wrongs have been done to us. And this is a, um, this is a massive issue in the world today and in the church today. Every wrong that's done us, every slight that is done us, you know, we have a very hard time overlooking it. There's a saying that the more offendable a man or woman is, the more immature they are. The more offendable you are, the more immature you are. The less offendable you are, the more mature you are. Think about that. How easily we get offended, how easily we get bothered, how easily we get our feelings hurt. And I'm certainly no better in this, Lord. We have this tremendous heightened sense of injustice. It's a heightened sense to just anything that's said wrong to us, done wrong to us, taken from us, not done right for us, when we're not made a priority. Um, probably the greatest Christian virtue to walk in is forgiveness. Overlooking an insult. The proverb says a wise man or woman overlooks an insult. It, it, it talks about the foolishness of being hot-headed and, uh, and having a bad temperament, losing your temper, being angry. Now, many people, you know, have had a lot of things done to them that are, that are terrible. But again, the scripture expects us to forgive anything and everything because we have been, no matter what's been done to us, an, an immeasurably greater debt has been forgiven us in Christ. Our sin is a million times worse of any sin ever done to us, ever. And that's hard for many of us to reconcile, but that's the truth of what the scripture teaches. That our sin was so bad that God the Father had to send God the Son, Jesus, to die a horrifying, torturous death on your behalf and in your place. That's how bad your sin was. Nothing else would do but God himself becoming a man in Jesus, living a perfect life for you and dying a perfect death for you. So you want to have a heart of not only forgiveness, whatever the wrong, as Paul tells Philemon to forgive Onesimus very clearly, but of restoration also, right? Wherever you've been wronged, you want forgiveness and you want restoration, right? Um, you know, so many people say, I'll forgive that person, but I'll never talk to him again. That's not true forgiveness, okay? Remember, forgiveness is always shown in its actions, not just its words. And, uh, and again, I'm not denying that we've had some very hurtful things said to us and done to us. We've been treated very selfishly. And, you know, one of the biggest issues we have is we don't see how, how bad we've often been, how selfish we've been, how self-serving we've been. You know, we, we get this uh, a heightened sense of injustice is when we see the wrongs done to us, but we have a very hard time seeing how we've been self-serving and selfish in our own ways. And so this theme of Philemon receiving back Onesimus with a heart to forgive him and to restore him to even a better position in the family, that's a place uh, where we want to live. Look what Paul says, I'm writing this with my own hand, I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. Again, that's, this is an extremely powerful statement, and what it clearly means is that the spiritual blessings that Paul had given to Philemon, uh, very probably Paul led Philemon to Christ, um, and in addition to that, discipled Philemon. Paul showed Philemon the way to life 
Paul would have showed Philemon the truth in Jesus Christ. Paul would have mentored Philemon and fathered Philemon so as to show Philemon the, the meaning of life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And, and God the Father used the Apostle Paul as the one to, to mentor Philemon. We're not told, but it's very possible that he led Philemon to Jesus Christ and showed him the way that life, the meaning of life. And so when Paul says, not to mention you owe me your very self, Paul is very clearly saying, uh, I'm not asking a whole lot of you here in light of the fact of our relationship and how the Lord has used me in your life. Verse 20, I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Again, uh, Onesimus would have had many benefits before he became a Christian, but Paul wants benefit in the Lord. You may do a lot of good things, and I may, and we want to continue in those things, but we want to have benefit in the Lord. Where in your life today are you bringing benefit in the Lord to the body of Christ? Father, I ask you to help us today that we may bring benefit in the Lord Jesus Christ more and more and more and more wherever we go and with whomever we're with. Thank you, Lord. Verse 21, confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Again, Paul loves Onesimus so much, he wants to make it clear of what he expects. But again, he knows Philemon. Could this be said of you? Could this be said, Tom, confident of your obedience? Could, could it be said, Lynn's confident of your obedience? Could it be said, May, confident of your obedience? The word of God says it was confident of Philemon's obedience. You want to get to a place where the Apostle Paul would say of you, would he say of you today, I'm confident of your obedience, Melanie? Would he say, Judy, I'm confident of your obedience? Would Paul say that of you, Gwenda, Mandy, Omela? Would Paul say that of you, Jose, Stephen, Caleb? confident of your obedience. Would he go on to say, I write to you knowing that you'll do even more than I ask. Lord, help us to have a heart to even go beyond what the word of God tells us to do, Lord. Help us to, to, to somehow be more obedient, Lord. You know, uh, if the word of God tells us to forgive, Lord, we forgive times too, Lord. Just, Lord, help us to be these type of men and women that... Uh, Knowing that you'll do even more than I ask, Lord, uh, I thank you, Lord, for this man Philemon and the, and the confidence Paul has in him. And I ask you to help us to be men and women like this. In the final, the rest of the letter, verse 22, And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. It's kind of interesting because uh, Paul says, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sending Onesimus to you. I'm expecting you're going to do all this. I'm sure you're going to do even more. But just so you know, I'm expecting to come myself. Um, thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 23, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Verse 25, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. It's a pretty powerful letter. Um, you can see that Epaphras was a prisoner with Christ and, um, you know, Paul would have Mark around him. Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke are called his fellow workers. And, uh, 
You know, you want to be a fellow worker in the kingdom of God. You want to be called one of the fellow workers of the kingdom of God, right? Could your name be put in there? Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, send you his greetings. And so do Jesse and Jordan and May and John and Jason. And you know, the, the letter ends with all that matters in this world. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Again, it's the spiritual blessings that mean the most, right? We want the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to continue to be with our spirit. And we want to walk in that grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Father, we just thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for this letter of Philemon. Father, we just love you. We bless you. We thank you and we praise you today. Father, we ask you to help us to live out the word of God. Help us to walk out this lesson, Father, as we leave here today. Father, we do pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ would be with our spirit more and more and more and more. We love you, Father, and we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.